I get the pleasure of like kind of kicking us off for the annual meeting. Um, yes, Maria, uh, we talked about setting the stage. And so what I thought I would do briefly uh, before we get in, just to kind of like get us, uh, I don't know, thinking in a, in a new way, maybe uh, perhaps, is um, tell the story of our church in a way that I haven't before, because it kind of occurred to me uh, recently in the last couple of weeks. And so um, helping us understand like where we've come from and where we're going, I hope, uh, I hope that this feels useful to anybody, no matter how long you've been a part of the church. Uh, one thing I thought I'd have us all do is maybe if we can get like in the chat here in Zoom, if you would put uh, just a number for how many years you have been a part of Brownline Church, that would be really cool. And we'll just kind of see the numbers uh, uh, fill up the the uh, the chat here and we can kind of get a picture of the diversity that's in the space in terms of like, how long have you been here? How long have you been connected? Um, yeah, so as you guys are doing that, um, I, I wanna tell you the story of the church in a new way. Uh, so eight years ago, we started this church and really I think what we were focused on most was this wide-eyed, optimistic belief in experiential faith, that there is a living God. Faith is not just a set of ideas. It is a lived relationship with a God that can interact back with us, no matter who we are. And in that time, we were like, when we started, we were all about encouraging people, no matter what the situation, no matter who they were, that in each moment, God is alive and likes you. God, God is not looking at you like over the rim of God's glasses, like a librarian saying, shh, quiet down. God likes you and wants to speak into your situation. And so just ask God, what, what are you saying? What are you saying in this moment, God? I think that was like the, the heartbeat of our church. And this was born out of our heritage in vineyard churches, which were well known for experiential faith. And it was born out of our desire to be what, uh, what we understood as a, as a centered set rather than a bounded set. And what we mean by that is that we don't believe faith is a circle, a boundary that you're either inside of or outside of. We believe that there is just a magnetic God at the center of all things. And all is that God is drawing everybody, all people near, no matter who they are and what categories they fit into. Centered set rather than bounded set. And all of that kind of led us to this. We were, we were all about experiential faith, a living God. And it's a little bit probably overly simplistic to like say that that was our only basic guiding principle for the first four years of our church. But I, I, I just want to like throw that out there because I don't think it's far off that like there is a living God was kind of the thing that drove us for the first four years of our church. This question of what are you saying, God? What are you saying right now to me in this situation, to us in this situation? And that was awesome. I think that was such an important time for our church, our first four years in like in a materialistic, flat and cynical world, we were trying to prize trust and innocence that God could break through with heart and with guidance for us. And I think that was really great. So that was the first four years. But over the course of those first four years, I do think that something started to happen. We, it started to become increasingly clear to us that some of the assumptions we'd inherited to try to discern how to answer that optimistic, wide-eyed question, what are you saying, God, in this moment? Some of the assumptions we'd inherited I think we're starting to feel dissatisfying. Those assumptions felt not always right. Those assumptions felt not always loving, 
maybe out of step with Jesus who has so anchored us since the beginning of this church. And that was both for like really big societal questions. How do we make right the wrongs done to our LGBTQ friends and include sexual minorities fully in our spiritual community, never walled off from things like marriage or leadership? How do we do that? But but also for like really personal ones too as well. How do we how do we listen to God? when our personal values or goals that that are animating us are different from previous generations uh how do we follow how do we listen to god when we're stressed out in the middle of the week and can't find balance but still have a bunch of work to do or classes to take or or kids to manage the more we tried to learn what was behind all of this there was there was one clear commonality i think in the assumptions about God that we'd inherited that didn't feel quite right. There was one clear commonality, and it was that they had their source in writings and teachings that were exclusively by white Euro-American, usually evangelical Christian men. It was like all the assumptions were only coming from that uh, that uh, source. And what we realized is like, wait, those aren't at all the only conversations Ha that are being had about Jesus and about faith. Those don't have to be the only source we go to if pieces about them are being are feeling dissatisfying. And they are the loudest voices out there. They're the most societally powerful voices. So we can tend to think that they're the only voices out there that are talking about God or talking about faith or talking about Jesus, but they are not. And importantly for me, there are many white, Euro-American Christian men who are contributing very helpfully to more diverse conversations about God, not just to the ones that are exclusively white Euro-American men talking to each other. And phew, like that makes me feel happy. I'm not alone. And so for the next four years, I think there was a shift. We shifted away from the question, what are you saying, God? That living God question. And we, what we were trying to ask now is the question right before that question. Before we can ask, what are you saying, God? We have to ask, who is this God that Jesus shows us? And what like new to us, different theological sources can we learn from to answer that question more satisfyingly? Theological sources that are not exclusively based in the starting points or assumptions of white evangelical men. And this has led us to make lots of decisions and to change and tweak and hone what we have done in that first four years into something different for these next four years. Decisions like leaving our affiliation with Vineyard Churches. And again, this is, this is sort of overly simplifying it. There was a lot more going on over these eight years, but I, I don't think it's so far to say that we underwent this shift about four years ago where we moved from living God questions to loving God questions. That's what's driven us for the last four years. Let's really get clear on who this God of love is that Jesus shows us. That's what's been the most important thing because it is it, it, what, what's, what's felt so deeply important to us is it's not worth following the guidance of a God of kind of love, you know, but also kind of punishment. A God who needs violence in order to fully love. We, that's not satisfying to us. It's not satisfying for us to, to, to follow the guidance of a God of love for some, but not love for all. It's not satisfying to follow a God of love when you're good and deserve it, but otherwise it's a God of wrath a God of love for those in power, uh, but a God of neutrality or indifference for those who with their backs against the wall, or a God of 
all controlling power for whom love is secondary. And really, we, it's just important that we defend that God's power. So we explain away the senseless suffering that people experience as God's will or part of the mysterious plan. I think that over these last four years, as we've leaned into these loving God questions, we just decided we are not going to settle for a picture of God that is less than loving. We're not going to settle for that. We need to have, we need to have a centerpiece in that centered set that we're all kind of drawing toward the magnet in the middle. We need to have that magnet in the middle be truly a loving picture of a loving God. And that conviction, I think, has been really, really fruitful over these last four years. So because where I, the reason I like kind of split our history up into these, the first four years and the next four years is I think right now we are, we're maybe at another turn. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're not, but this is the way I'm telling the story today. And I think that this, I think this is interesting to take on. I think that we're at another turning point because now we are ready to integrate our time spent focusing on a living God with our time spent focusing on a loving God. We're ready to return back to that like trust-filled living God question. God, what are you saying? What are you saying right now in this moment to me, to our church, to our community, to this group of people? What are you saying, God? But we're ready to do that with the seasoning and the maturity of the last four years that we just spent, really focusing hard on what makes this God truly loving. I think without realizing it, Kyle, Haley, and I, the pastors, all this last year, I think we've been doing this without even realizing it. Our sense has been what we are hearing from Jesus is a new thing, a new thing that is that is that has been seasoned by the last four years and bringing us back early to that first question, what are you saying to us, God? And so we've been asking that question, and we have been bringing up, actually, there is a, a spe specific words of Jesus that have come to us again and again as the pastors of this church, and that's why I want to bring it up here on our annual meeting Sunday, which is the Jesus' words in Matthew 11. It's, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It goes on, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, Jesus says. My burden is light. We feel as we are stepping back and trying to ask that innocent trust-filled question again, what are you saying, God? What are you saying right now? We feel that God is saying the words of Matthew 11 to our church. What is the whole point of a church? The whole point of a church is to say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. The human condition for people in cities today is feeling burdened and exhausted perpetually, and therefore like unable to join joyfully or purposefully in what God is doing in the world. And we think God is doing things in the world. God is in the business of bringing justice to the oppressed and comfort to the hurting and growth to the humble. And if we are zombies, depleted, bitter, compulsive, we cannot participate in that. We cannot find the joy in being a part of that work. So our church wants to be a place of rest in the midst of a reality that is just always go, 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 bigger, better, faster, more, right? We want to be a place of recuperation and refueling in the midst of that. And obviously it takes work to do that. Like it takes us you know, coming together and actually pulling things off. We, 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 we are having a meeting for a reason, but what's our core conviction? It comes back to this, come to me all you who are weary and I will give you rest. It comes back to that. No matter what we're doing, no matter what burdens we are placing on ourselves, on people in our church, we need to make sure that the net, 
what's going on here when all the additions and subtractions are made is that people are brought to rest. People are shown that the burden of being somebody who's connected with God is so much lighter than the burden of trying to do your life alone in the midst of American society. So that's my kind of like opening treatise for our annual meeting. I wanted to start us off with something that is hopefully mildly inspiring. Um, I wonder how the idea of telling the story of our church this way, the first four years, the next four years, and then the turning point that we are at once again. I wonder if that makes sense. I think that we are combining the living God and the loving God that we have so focused on in these different seasons of our church. And the drumbeat underneath that now is come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And I'm just looking now like at our chat and I'm seeing everybody who's written in like how long uh, they've been a part of the church. And that's great. And I wonder if you've just joined us in the last little bit and you can still add to the chat here of like, this is how long we've been a part of what's going on here. Um, we would love to hear it because I do think that given that there's such a mix in terms of like how long people, some people have been here since the beginning. There's a few, there's a few folks. I even see some names like on my, on the, the names of the zoom list that I can see right now who have been here since the very beginning. And then others have been here only in the last year or two. And that is really cool that we have that mix. And so I thought, I thought it'd be good to just start us with like a little bit of remembering our history, telling the story of this church. 